Welcome to the Student of the Game podcast, where we break down the life, strategy, and advice of successful individuals who are students of their own game and masters of their own craft. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to the episode. This episode of the Student of the Game is brought to you by our sponsors, Communication VIP Training and Coaching. Need coaching to improve your public speaking, sales pitches, interviews, or presentation skills, or just get rid of those ums? I mean, Vincent has got you covered. Contact the communication experts at Communication VIP. This will be in our show notes so you can contact them. And let's get back to the episode. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. This is Tim Stone here with my co-host Nick Galbraith. And today we've got an awesome guest for you, Brian Covey. Brian, thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to do this with you. You're tuning in from Franklin, Tennessee, not too far away from us in Chattanooga. And we are excited to hear all about you. So let's go ahead and dive into your life. Tell us about yourself. These are, that's always an interesting question, right? Like, hey, where, where do I start with like my life? And everybody's got a, a cool story of origin. Um, mine began, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. And I say like, I spent a lot of time on the soccer field. So any athletes out there that know whether you're on the basketball court, I spent a lot of time there, but mainly the soccer field. And that was a catalyst. My dad, a lot of coaches, a lot of influential people in my life really shaped who I am today. And I say like my parents made a lot of sacrifices to make sure I had opportunities um, I was fortunate enough to make it to the U.S. men's Olympic team, the U.S. men's national team, and it paid for my way to college, which is awesome because I'm sure my parents appreciated um, the fact that I could repay them back some and then played a little bit professionally, which was great. And I found, you know, really a lot of my competitive drive and who I am was birthed from just being on the field and being around other people, building relationships and testing myself. I love that sports environment, team environments. And so that led me into where decided to buy a house and realized probably like, you know, in the real estate side, I didn't really know anybody. I uh, didn't really know how to get a mortgage, didn't know how to do any of that. And I thought, well, I could probably do this. And so I landed myself into the mortgage business almost 20 years ago. And then since then, been, been quite the journey. Wow. So you just, you, you were trying to buy a house and that's what got you into the mortgage business. So can was, you go a little more into how that happened? Yeah. So my friends and all, like I had graduated at that point. And we were renting. We had an apartment. And at that time, my fiance, now my wife, I'm like, man, we want to buy a house. We want to figure this out and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't understand like what's going on. Like, how do you buy a house? What do you need and all that? And I realized, wow, there's not a lot of people out there. You know, you go into the bank. The old traditional way was you went into a bank and you walked in, and they probably needed everything plus like you know a blood sample, right? They just needed everything in your life. And I thought, well, the process has got to be easier or better. I'm going to figure this out. My friends all had questions. I loved economics. I loved finance, you know, accounting, all of those things. And I thought, well, what, what if I like learned how to do this? And so I sought out to find some people that would teach me and actually uh, give me a, a job because playing sports all your life and not having much on your resume outside of sports and coaching and all, at that point, not a lot on your resume to get hired from outside of like, I'll work hard. I'm a, I'm a learner. I'm coachable. And so that, that was how it was really birthed. And I've, I've fallen in love with the industry. It wasn't being completely real. It wasn't probably when I joined, it wasn't that exciting. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea. And uh, like everybody, you got to start somewhere. And about what time was that when you were getting into the industry? It was 2001 and I'd come back from playing soccer professionally. And I realized one, I need to finish my degree. I'd committed to my parents. I would do that. And then I'd met my now wife, which was awesome. And I realized like, okay, I need some skills. Like I need to go and I'm trying to get jobs and I'm taking like odds and ends stuff. I'm coaching soccer, uh, private lessons and doing things to make money. And so in 2001, anybody was in the job market at that time, they'll probably remember like there was a pullback. And so I thought I would go and get a job with my friend's parents, like in the bank, in these, these um, financial advisor roles. No, nobody was hiring. At that point, it was like, yeah, we got a hiring freeze. So I thought, okay, so you know, you just keep going and you got you to find that door is not open. Keep knocking, keep knocking. I believe you know, God will open the right door. So I just kept knocking and I showed up to a career fair, ironically enough, at school. And they were looking for people like me. They were athletes. I was like, cool, let's start there. 
And that live to learn mentality, you know, you get through sports is this always learning, always bettering yourself. And I think that's um, such a a humble experience. I had a very similar experience. I know Tim did too, playing basketball, you know, Tim, Tim, the hoop man over there, but uh, wrestling in in high school and uh, coming to college, I feel like, you know, having that live to learn mentality and that you're not, um, you know, you're not subject to anything. You don't deserve anything. You, you know, you, you learn and then um, you have the opportunity to, um, you know, consistently over and over again, when you're just coming at it, coming at it, coming at it, it eventually uh, um, blossoms into something very spectacular. So, uh, and it was this at the University of, of Memphis? It was. Brian? Yep. Awesome. So you and your wife met there. And what were you studying at the time? So I did Fulgham College of Business and Economics, and I had a minor in marketing, which has worked out. Actually, I tell people, I learned a lot of stuff that I still get to use. And I was um, fortunate we had professors from International Paper, you have FedEx, all these great corporations that are local. And we had people show up, AutoZone as well. And they would come in, they were actually professors and teachers. And so you got to learn like real life. Like what does it look like out in the real world when you leave college? That was cool. Very awesome. Uh, Tim Tim just referred me a book called uh, $100 Million Offer. I believe that's the title by Alex Ramonzi. And that it's that I was listening to the audio book before we hopped on here. I mean, that's some great stuff. Very cool. I don't know that one. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to send you a little. Uh, we'll have to send you a copy so you can check it out. Cool. Yeah, it's it's all about uh, creating an offer so good that people feel stupid refusing it. it it's a it's a good sales book. But I, I was gonna go Nick based off of what you were saying with the sports. A lot of that sort of ties into the name of the podcast, the student of the game, and and what we were brainstorming. When we came up with it is just live to learn like you were saying like just keep learning just um there's so much more out there to better yourself and i know brian i follow you on instagram and you're always talking about how you're investing in yourself and learning and the things you're doing to help other people what type of um mentality did you get into to where you started investing in yourself because you don't hear a lot of people starting with that from a young age at, at a certain point there's maybe one book recommendation that gets them in the cycle or one event they go to. What did that look like for you and your story? I think mine's still unfolding. You know, I think as you go through seasons and, and different spots of your career is, you know, I recognize at an early age, like having coaches and sports were the catalyst to my growth. Like great coaches can change the game. It can make you so much better of an athlete, like physically, mentally, all of those things. And so when I got into business, it was really early in my career. It was more mentors And there were some people that were coaches, but I wasn't investing into like what I am today, like in my personal brand and actually an executive coach and people that are, are very hands-on with, with my growth and accountability. And I look back to that and the mentors were probably the ones that I would put myself in situations around other people that were doing what I wanted to do. And I would seek out mentors. I remember I spent 13 years in corporate America and I would interview and they had panel interviews. If you remember back like on The Apprentice with, with Donald Trump and everybody, like we would have real panel interviews for roles. And there were a couple roles I did not get. But out of the two specifically that I didn't get the job, I probably wasn't the most qualified. Let's be, let's be real. Like I, I made it that far. That was great. But I was able to pull out a mentor from each of those that was further along in their career and they were able to help me. And not until probably my, my mid-30s did I realize wow, if these mentors work, what would happen if I actually paid somebody? Like actually invested and in, in they would have that same relationship and agreement to help me move on. In every stage of my life, I just continued to level up, level up. And, um, you know, I was in the, you know, of course, mortgage industry, the 07, 08 crisis, which just wiped out everybody. So imagine this rise in this fall um, very quickly. It's very humbling. I realized through that all, you got to have a coach. You got to invest in yourself, your personal brand. You got to invest and have someone that is a true coach and someone that's going to help you get further. Just like a fitness coach. Like you look at anybody that's probably more disciplined and committed, there probably is some type of accountability and some type of investment dollar-wise that that they're putting into that. And we hear a lot from the real estate side about the crash in 07, 08, but we haven't really dove into the mortgage side. What did it look like? in the mortgage industry during what was a mortgage crisis ultimately. Yeah. Um, and, and it was a liquidity crisis. It was a mortgage crisis. It was a fraud crisis. Like, I mean, there's so many variables happening and I don't know if you guys have seen the movie too big to fail. Haven't seen it. Oh, I, have great not, one. I haven't either. 
put put it on put it on there. And it's really talking about the big banks. And I was at one of the big banks, so I had some. Uh, just I got to see a lot of this stuff go down. And I tell the story to people that were not around that time. We were at a convention in Orlando. It was the National Home Builder Convention. And our taxi driver, because this is, I know this will be weird for some people. This is like pre-Uber, okay? Like there were real taxis that you had to ride in. And we're going to the event and the taxi driver is telling me about two condos he purchased. Taxi driver. I'm like, okay, well, tell me about them and all that. And he's telling me the prices and all the things he's going through. And I'm like, and you purchased two in the same building? He's like, yeah, here's my plan. I'm going to assign them, which basically means he's going to never close on them with his own money. He's just put down a deposit and he's going to assign them to somebody else based on that value going up. So let's just say he put down $10,000 of his own money. He's hoping that somebody's going to come along and buy that because homes are appreciating at a crazy rapid rate. And he's going to sell it for like $50,000. He never actually closed on the property. So these assignments going on. I knew right away we were in for a crisis. Like literally when a taxi driver is telling you this stuff and like, you know what they're earning, they don't have another job. They don't have anything else going on. People were qualifying for loans with stated income, stated assets. The guidelines had loosened up so much and everybody was fleeing in. And I think it's a great lesson in time to look back and go, wow, like a lot of harm can be done in that. And the speculation of people buying and just kept buying. And then there were straw buyers in Florida at the time they never actually were going to close on that property. They were just ramping up sales to drive up values. So um, we won't be able to see that again. I, just, I tell people without getting into too much of the details, the amount of factors that went into that and now what's required to actually get a mortgage loan, what's required to get a true appraisal value and what's required to actually go through that process. You just, you don't, you don't see that the same set of circumstances, which is great for all of us. We've all learned from that, but it was a chaotic time. People were entering the industry with no experience, had no idea what they were doing, and yet they were able to find success. And so I take that as a lesson today too, is like, yes, that didn't work out. And yes, there were things that kind of catapulted that, but reality is wherever you are, you can be successful. If you decide you want to learn, you want to get trained, you want to learn new skills, there are industries out there that you can go and commit and actually do things the right way and can be hyper successful. And so not getting stuck in where you are, just be open-minded to uh, what other possibilities are out there. When you're talking about the, the taxi driver mentioning his investments in the, the two condos, it made me think of this, I think it was a tweet I saw and it was back during the stock market craze a couple months ago with you know, AMC and Nokia and all those stocks. Yeah. And it, it, it was something to the effect of, you know, we're in a bubble when your barber tries to explain to you why we're in a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when, when the people that, um, you know, sort of have no business being involved are uh, talking about crazy things going on. There's there's some seriously crazy things going on. You've got to listen to that, too, you know, and, and I'm all for like, look, you might be a barber or a teacher or a taxi driver and you might be learning about like Bitcoin or the stock market or real right. estate investing. Um but that's just a good lesson for all. It's like, be careful who you seek advice from and who you listen to and make sure they've done their homework. Because if they're just regurgitating what they've heard on Instagram or somewhere, don't follow yeah. that. Like, do, do yeah. And I don't mean no business being involved, but no business giving advice on yeah. you know, financial advice and investing. Different, different ball game, right? Oh, yeah. Now, Brian, you said a term. Um, I had a question on it. You said straw buyers. Well, what are straw buyers? Those were basically buyers that were buying multiple properties and they would go into multiple communities and they would write offers and they were not real. Uh, some of them were actually not even real people wow. and agents were writing contracts for people that actually didn't exist to just ramp up the sales. And, you know, today, if you were to buy, you typically have a pre-approval letter or you'd be mm -hmm. at a show, you know, proof of funds to pay cash for the house. There are things that you can do. Well, unfortunately, at that time, it was really when you say like little to no documentation for the loan and to write a real estate contract was it's just you look back now and you're like, how, how in the world did this even happen? Right. Just you wouldn't see it. Um, lessons learned through the course of, of time. Absolutely. And kind of and kind of going back to that um, career fair where you uh, ran into uh, the first mortgage broker that you worked for. Can you kind of tell us about that experience and what you kind of dived into first? And then we'll kind of climb up all the way to where you're at today. Yeah. So here's what I say. is like relationships matter. Mm -hmm. And 
people, like how you connect with people, the vibe, the energy and everything you're giving off and they give off. I think it's important. And a lot of times people are looking for that probably job or career that might be a few steps away from them. And you have to be willing to do the entry level job first before you can get to those. And I heard Dabo Sweeney talk about this is if you're riding up an elevator, everybody would love to know all of the years of experience and everything that he's accumulated. If he could just like download that and give it to you, it'd be amazing. But the reality is you got to take the stairs or take the elevator and you got to go up through each floor. And that's the lessons you learn in the career fair. What I was looking for, I was very clear on, I wanted somebody that would actually teach me and like hire me in and take what I could bring to the table and make me better. And so I recognized they loved athletes. They loved the competitiveness. They paid you incentive comp so that the better you did and the more you performed, awesome. The more that you would make. And so I was looking for somebody that I felt like would be almost like I'd had in sports, which was a great coach. And that's what I would encourage anybody is, is you're choosing somewhere to work for or someone to partner with and work with, like find somebody that's going to invest in you as much as you're going to invest in you, right? As much as possible there. And that's what I saw in the career fairs, talking to everybody. There was this one group, never forget, Ken Ford was there and this guy, Peter. And they just connect, like they actually cared about who I was. They asked me questions and, and I recognized like I was a model match being an athlete. And so I think that's for all of us. Just find where you fit in and don't be afraid to start possibly at a lower level than you think you deserve. But it, it worked out well for me, you know, start at the bottom, work your way up. And I think you just threw out such a, a golden nugget right there. And I wrote it down was, uh, you know, find someone that's looking to invest more in you than you are in yourself. And I hope all of our listeners got that little golden nugget you just threw out. Cause that really helped me process that because I mean, that's where we want to be around people that, you know, want to, you know, be, you know, you want to, you want to be around people in your life that are valuable to you and you're valuable to those. And the ones who stick around are the ones that uh, you grow with because you have that mentality of, you know, I bring value to you. I, I receive value from you. And it's just a, it's not a give and take relationship. You give as much as you can and don't expect anything back, but yeah. usually it comes back if, you know, the people that you you stay around um, and it's just a, a growing relationship. So that was so valuable. And I just wanted to, uh, um, uh, we say what you said. Good catch. That's a big one. I think people miss that often. And when somebody's willing to give of their time, you know, we're working on this concept right now of like, what, what is your hourly rate? Right. And for all of us, whether you're salaried, commissioned, whatever, like we all have an hourly rate that we're basically trading our time for money or trading our time to go do something we enjoy to do. Like we're making those choices all day, every day. And for a lot of people, like if you find somebody that's willing to give of their time, that's that's hyper successful and they're willing to share. I mean, that's thousands of dollars possibly that they're just giving and investing in you. Take notes, listen and actually do something with it. Right. And that's very valuable, too, is you learn the most from experience but it doesn't always have to be your experience it can be someone else's experience and maybe you don't learn it to the full effect that they did but to have that perspective of someone who did go through something and just hear it like like maybe it, it didn't even cross their mind before they ran into that and it was a problem and they learned from it and now you learn from it and maybe it wasn't going to cross your mind but now it did you don't have to go that way so it's it is very valuable just to have connections and relationships and conversations with people who are able to point you in a better direction. That's right. Yeah. You can accelerate your learning, your experience and all that. Like you said, like I'm always trying to find people that have experienced things that I, I know I'm going to experience at some point in my own growth or family or um, building our business. Like, who are those people? And can they share that with me so that I, I can accelerate my learning and then you know, I'm going to get in the game. I'm going to be that much more equipped and ready to go into battle. And that, that's how you, that's how you learn faster. Just accelerate mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. And sometimes you do have to pay to get that, to get that experience. You pay yep. for the speed of the learning. Yeah. And and I love this quote from Tony Robbins. Um, like both of you've been saying is that other people's experience, OPM, um, other people's experiences are um, more powerful and you know, more impactful than other people's money. Yeah. Um, leveraging those experiences. So you're absolutely right. Um, so you kind of roll into the, to the mortgage industry and, uh, you had a mentor that, uh, was helping, you know, you know, uh, investing into you and what'd you kind of start off in, um, Brian, um, kind of taking a step into the mortgage world. Yeah, so I was at more of a finance division of the company mm -hmm. at that time. 
And so we were doing everything from credit cards to auto loans, uh, debt consolidation. Uh, you know, those commercials, like they used to have a more prominent, but like you would finance furniture, like no payments for four mm. years or something crazy. We were the group on the other side. I was actually getting people approved, pulling credit and deciding if they would be approved or not. And so you learn from there. And every Saturday we would go in and we would make calls and we would call that book of business and we try to get them to do more business, like take another product from us, like do something else with us. And so I got to learn all of that. And about a year and a half into it, I realized, you know what? I really enjoy this mortgage side because we had done some, wasn't purchases, but we were doing some refinances that were just all debt consolidation. And that's helping me today because the market we're in today, it's the largest cash out refinance percentage we've ever seen. And people are pulling equity out of their homes. They've got debt. They've got other things they want to do, renovating and such. And so it's, it's a great lesson that I can pull back from in helping people actually manage their debts, understand what's there. And as I move through just mortgages, I was probably the early adopter on technology. When there were courses, there was somebody prominent in our industry that would teach courses. I would sign up and I would say, you know what? Yeah, I'll teach that at the next sales meeting. And I just became that person that everybody's like, oh, wow, he's like the early adopter. And so I would encourage my listeners, be that person in your office and in your branch, your team, wherever. I just wasn't afraid to try things. And we started to build out systems and we started to build out when I hired my assistant and we just started to scale some things and, and what was possible. We would break ceilings, right? Like, you know, the record was whatever, 25 million or something a year. And you, you want to break that and you want to break that. Well, guess what? People came after me. They broke all my records. But before me, there wasn't anybody. You know, so you got to, you got to. I look at it this way, you got to be willing to, to be that person that goes forward, which is kind of what led me into more of the leadership path. I said, and if I could do that and I could teach other people and there could be all these other folks that I could positively impact, then we could actually build like a championship team, which is more my background of sports, playing on, you know, competitive soccer and all that. Like, that's what I want to build. And so along my way, um, probably 10 years or so into, I was like, I'm going all in on this building teams and leadership. And that's been my journey um, since then. And there's a, I feel like there's a great lesson packed in there and um, showing leadership is there were, there are all these records that had never been broken. You went in there, showed people they could be broken and they did way better than you. It just, it, it took that step forward to change the mindset and change, you create new opportunities for people to come in. So that's, yeah. I and mean, that's where you know, leadership comes in That's right. and uh, it all seems like all this ties back to sports. Your, your sporting career was preparing you to be successful in business at the same time because there are a lot of the, the same things. You, building a championship team is pretty similar to building a winning team at your business. And that's why people like Tim Grover and you mentioned uh, Dabo Sweeney are, you, you could tie everything that they have ever said into business as well. It's because it, a lot of it is all mental. Sports yeah. is, you know, it's probably 95% mentality and same thing with success. Yeah, I think people discount their experiences. Like, and whether you like a professional athlete or not, I tell this all the time. It's like, yeah, okay. So there's, there's some of us, we've made it to that level, but the difference is very small. Um, there's some commitments and things, but you're never too old or, or past a certain point in your career that you're right, that whatever opportunity you're given today, that like you can't become the best in that space and take all the lessons and the things that you've learned and surround yourself with other people. There's, there's something about that power of like the proximity of people that are successful. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Grover, there's some guys like that, like you meet them and you can tell right away, like they're very certain about who they are and what they do and why they're the best at what they do. You know it. And so for all of us, we've got to build that muscle and build that confidence so that it just drives up your worth and what you bring. And then as your confidence grows, that sky's the limit. Absolutely. And uh, just to kind of go back there, Brian, um, you said a term we didn't have heard on the podcast, um, debt consolidation. And most of our um, listeners are students. Would, would you mind describing, I mean, telling what the um, telling us what debt consolidation is? Yeah, so I think no matter where you are, if you're, if you're a student today or you know, look, you've been out of college and you have a job and all that, there are some of the things we were all taught about building wealth and how to accumulate wealth, like how to manage debt, all this stuff. And probably a lot of it's not even true. Uh, it's not even accurate. If you were to really dig into what's there, there are strategies that you need to think about at an early age, whether you're in college or coming out of college, 
that you can get a head start. One of those, and it sounds really simple and it's corny. People talk about it, but spend less than you make. It, it sounds crazy. Um, you know, we've been through all the different Dave Ramsey stuff and we've been through, you know, different programs like, um, Oh, automatic millionaire homeowner. That was a big book from David Bach at one point. And then, um, trying to think of some other books that you guys might've, um, Napoleon Hill and some of these that I'm just going, okay, you've got to start learning about wealth and retraining your brain about how debt works. And so that debt consolidation, what I was talking about is for many people, they still live on what their debts are each month. Can I pay my bills this month? And so if you find yourself where you can't pay all your bills, what we would offer, there's debt consolidation loans and it would just restructure your monthly payments so you could afford them and you could actually get control back. So again, you're spending less than what you're earning and it puts you in a positive, like forward posture. And so I learned a lot about that. No matter what you make, like don't, don't let your lifestyle increase so far that you're not able to give, you're not able to invest in yourself, you're not able to save, you know, all those areas. And so debt consolidation for some people, learn, learn how money works and, and get very familiar with the emotional side of money and then also the factual side of money, how it works, how you can earn it, how you can put it to work for you. What, what tips would you give a young listener to um, build a, a strong personal financial foundation that, say, doesn't go along with what they may have been taught, you know? Um, I don't know if you completely agree with everything Dave Ramsey or uh, pick and choose some of the things, but yeah, what what type of financial strategies that maybe they weren't taught growing up would you recommend they start to implement to build a strong personal financial foundation? Yeah, so the two I would say one, you've got to make investing automatic, and whether that your vehicle investing is the stock market, maybe you're going into something else that you understand makes you understand what you're investing in. And, you know, for some, it might be buying into, there's lots of different life insurances that you can buy at that age that obviously build up cash value and you can take out tax-free later, all that fun stuff. Um, you want to get educated on where you can invest, but it has to be automatic. If you wait and you're going to wait for your paycheck to come in or have enough money sitting in your checking account, you'll never invest. So if I were to go back, that would be the one thing that I'd say one, one of the mentors showed me is like, we started doing a Roth IRA when I was 16 years old. And I just started putting money away and it was automatic, automatic, automatic. And I think that's what I would do for, for step one, because that'll take the emotion out of it. And then it'll also show you that you can live on less than what you actually think you can and, and to be smart about what you spend there. The other part is like, I, I've surrounded myself with a great team. Like obviously now that I've built my net worth up, it's like, I have a great financial advisor. I have a great CPA. I have great people around me, the investment opportunities start at an early age, find someone that's willing to work with you. And there are people out there that know more than you know. And you're like, oh yeah, but they're going to charge me a fee. Yeah. They know more than you know. Their, their fee, if it's the right person, it's probably worth it to help guide you and direct you. You're never too young to start building your future. I think people underestimate the small amount they could start investing every month or every week today, especially if you're in your twenties, because then when you get in your forties, fifties, sixties, that compound effect of all of that money being invested somewhere even conservatively, you, you actually have earned something versus the person that's like, I'm going to invest for five or 10 years. And I'm just going to make a ton of cash. Maybe, maybe that works. I would, I would choose the route, stay consistent, be automatic and find people to put in your corner that know more than you do. Mm -hmm. And if you get into the habit of doing it, you're probably not going to stop. And if you don't stop, you're going to see, amazing results especially yeah. over over the course of 40 45 years just the power of of compound interest and you had mentioned that meeting more people and adding people to your network is a very important step to building wealth and uh you may see behind me on my whiteboard i just yesterday wrote down a 12-week calendar because i i've started listening to the 12-week year and i'm almost finished with it yeah. and one of my one of my goals for the next 12 weeks is to connect with a hundred people that I haven't connected with before. And I, I would like to do that, you know, every 12 weeks moving forward, you know, forever, just connect with another hundred people because it really is just that everybody, you know, someone else has everything that uh, you could ever want or need or need to know. 
So it's just, you got to go out there and meet that person and meet those people because they, they say it a, a billion times and we've said it on this podcast so much, but your network is your net worth. And we say it so much because it's true. Yeah. But, if you work it. So I've heard that what I would go a step further, especially the younger listeners, what I would say is you hear that, but I don't know that everybody understands that. Like, yes, I may have a great network, but if I go into my Instagram, into my LinkedIn, into my Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, wherever I'm spending my time online, if you don't do what you just said of reach out to the hundred people, your, your network has zero impact on your net worth. Probably you actually mm -hmm. have to be proactive. You have to reach out to people because the reality is they're probably not reaching out to you. So get on the offense and, and, and go build that up and add value. Hmm. People are busy and they've got better things to do than you know, reach out to you if they may or may not follow you on Instagram and uh, you, you've got to put yourself out there, especially you know, as a young person, if you're you know, coming up with not a lot of connections and you literally know nobody, you got to start knowing people. Yeah. And it's free today. I mean, some of the best connections I've made were in the last two years throughout all of this where we were not in person and many of them I still have not met in person. Some I have, fortunately, as things have opened up, but many of them I haven't met in person, but the amount of value in the free value outside of us trading time and some things back and forth, there, there's information out there. We're, we're, we're probably drowning in information and everybody's starving for wisdom of like, like, what, what does that mean for me? What do I need to do? What do, how does that apply to my life? And that's where I'd say, you yeah, make sure you surround yourself in your feed and what, what you spend your time on, like get around the right people. Um, there's a lot of free content out there that, you know, when I was coming up 2001 and through some of those like early in my career, none of that existed. So there are, there are no excuses as far as leveling up and learning some of this um, skills to, to be great at the game. <clears throat> there's so much free content out there and when when i think of someone that is putting out so much quality free content i think of bradley and i believe i saw that you and him were together pretty recently are you are you allowed to talk about that yeah so we will be uh releasing i was on dropping bombs for his podcast and then he's gonna do a swap he'll be on mine yeah, and i was out with him. I, I love him like brad's one of those guys i, I would highly recommend follow because he probably will challenge a lot of things that you think about and mm -hmm. But you look at, he built off a core skill and his sales ability, his negotiation skills and what's there, and then actually built a company around that. And, and some of his content, I mean, it will, it will challenge you in how you think and what you think about. But he always talks about like the person that seeks out new information is going to win. So seek out new information every day. Like that was the biggest thing I took away from him was he's very curious about a lot of different industries. And when we were talking, he asked me a lot of really good questions about mortgage and real estate. I just thought, this is somebody that's like intensely focused on gaining new information. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. Yep. And he records it all and puts it out there for us. Yeah. For yeah, free. So when it's released, we'll definitely, we'll, we'll promote it out there. It was, it was a great experience. It was just cool to go out to Vegas and, and get to jam with somebody that you know, obviously um, I, I respect the guy and it's like, this is cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Happy for you. And excited to hear the episode and hear him on your podcast. Uh, so what, um, I forgot what question I was going to ask, but, um, no, what resources would you recommend to someone who is, uh, wanting to gain more information? And on top of that, this was the question I was going to ask is what type of habits would you recommend someone put in place to make sure that they are daily gaining that information and on the pursuit of new information? There's a lot of resources, right? So if, if you go online today, um, I would back up from that and you need to get clarity about what you want and where you want to go. Mm. You have clarity about where you want to go and what you want to accomplish. Like in 2022, like you should already know, like right now, like I clearly have my three goals defined, big, crazy goals and with absolute clarity by the dates, what's actually going to happen? What are the real metrics? What are the accountabilities that... Uh, company those who are the people that are going to help me what are the resources for each of those that are going to help me and so what i would say is before we even start with the resources because there's enough of them out there get mm. clear like absolutely crystal clear about what you want to accomplish next year start there and then that should lead you as you start doing the exercise who are the people and what are the resources that you're going to need to accomplish that who's going to help you along in that journey so i would almost i would start there um, as you go into this 
And look, I'm a big believer too. Like if you look at anybody's phone, you look at the amount of time they spend on each of the social platforms, that is going up. It's not going down. And so that means there's an opportunity, one, for us to learn and to engage with people. But two, on the other side of it, it's like, okay, I can start controlling the amount of content and what I see. So I would look at your feed and if you're feeling like you're overwhelmed or you're depressed or like all these different things, change your feed. Like I will mute people, unfollow people. Like I intentionally have a killer feed on, on my platforms that I want to go on, but it also allows me to be efficient. I can get on and off of that platform in like 10 or 15 minutes, comment on the people I want to comment on and jet off. I don't need to scroll through a bunch of crap. Um, I would say that today is the number one time suck. Probably for the listeners, as you described, like where they are and their age and different things, they want to connect with people. Like take all of that out and, and, and take back your time. And, and one way to do that is control your feed. Make sure when you get on, you have intentionality. I'm going on to engage with certain people, leave comments to engage with them. So then like we're building our network and our tribe together. I'm not wasting time on these platforms. All right, it's very intentional. I totally agree with that. I actually deleted, uh, what did I delete? I deleted TikTok today, YouTube, um, uh, a few other apps, deleted them all today because I have just been spending all of my time like in the shower. I'm doing Grant Cardone sales training. Yeah. Like not, not going to waste that time when I'm working out, listen to audiobooks. when I'm driving, listen to podcasts. So all that free time where I, you know, my attention doesn't need to be focused on anything uh, other than what is required to drive, I, I can be educating myself and learning right. and adding value to my life. And as I've been doing that over the past couple months, it was just revealing to me all the useless, uh, you know, all the useless time or the useless uses of my time that are taking up my day. And it today was just the, the final straw and I just took them off my phone because once you start going down that journey, and realizing how valuable your time is and your attention, really your attention, realizing how important your attention is. That is when I was like, okay, that's it. Done. Take control back. You know, too many people are like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do this or do that. It's like, hey, you know yourself better than anybody. If that's what you need to do, that's the action, take it. Mm -hmm. yeah, you can always add it back. And there, there's a thought I've been uh, playing with and I'd like to see sort of your thought on this and i, I think it was uh, alex hermosi that um 100 million dollar offers book we were mm -hmm. talking about before and i saw him in a video he was saying if you're trying to figure something out pretend like you are mentoring yourself and you probably already know the answer like you already know what things you should be doing yeah and it's it's like how do you get your mind to the point where you can get that perspective and you can do the things that you know you need to do because it's so easy to look at someone else's situation and give them advice and tell them what to do. But if you did that to yourself, you probably already know the answer. That's the thing. And it's like, how do, how do you, how do you get to that, you know, that space in your mind where, Oh, I know the answer. Now I can do it uh, right. instead of, you know, just not doing it. Just get out of your own way. I mean, it, it's, it's easier probably said than done, but the reality is when you wake up, you know you probably need to wake up at the right time, um, mm -hmm. whatever time that is for you. You know, I think about people that how you start your day sets the tone, right? And so how, how do you create the right energy and everything? For many of us, it's like, you know, I, I don't even wake up to an alarm anymore. Like my body is freakishly like on. If I say I'm going to wake up at 445 or or five o'clock, like I'm pretty in tune with that. I'm usually a little bit early. Like this morning I said, I wanted to wake up at five. I was up at 4.44, right? Cool. I do not hit snooze. I don't roll over. I don't hang out. Like I get up. And so, you know, my wife will joke about that. It's like, you just get up. And I'm like, yeah. Cause what am I just going to lay there? Like, I'm not really getting quality sleep. There's no benefit to it. So you get up and, and you've got a routine. You need to kick that off. And for a lot of us, like we know what we need to do right in that moment. We know we need to get up. You know, you need to go work out. And a uh, statement we use with our group, I think uh, Dr. Elko actually coined this one, but it's just actions over feelings. And I always say that to myself. It's like, hey, if I don't feel like doing something, I probably need to go do it. And what most people will underestimate is these choices throughout the day start stacking up. If you want to feel like a winner and create more confidence and actually train your brain to do what you want it to do, then you need to start 
doing the things that are in alignment with what you said you want to do. So it's almost back to the clarity. Once you have clarity about where you want to go, who you want to be, then if your decisions start to match that every day, you're moving closer. But also the same is true. If you start sleeping in, skipping the workout, not showing up to meetings on time, not showing up to meetings you're supposed to be at, all that, you, you literally are your own worst enemy there, right? How do you get around that? How do you get out of your own way? I think for most of us, it starts with how do you make your decisions? And we've used this with my kids. So I'll use this example. There's some psychology to this. And my dad's a psychologist. So some of these brain hacks work for me. They'll, they'll work for you as well. Is you can count down the Mel Robbins method. You probably heard five, five, second, five rule. second rule. Yep. yep. So I yep. use this with my six-year-old. And we're like, hey, I need you to go put your jammies on. Hey, we need to go take a bath now. And it'll look at me. It's like, didn't want to do it. I'm like, five. He knows it is time to go. You need to train your brain. If that trigger works for you, there are things out there that we know you've got to train yourself. What I've told myself, again, it's the self-talk actions over feelings. We do hard things in our family. Look, it's cold outside. I don't want to go walk the dog. It's raining. It's freezing. So what? You go do it. And then over time, what starts to happen is you build that muscle. For most people, I heard it today. And how many of you guys, if you heard this, you're like, hey, I'm going to start this uh, January 1st, right? I'm going to eat better. I'm going to start my workout program here in a couple of weeks. I'm, I'm going to enjoy this time. That, that's what average and below average people say. So call it what it is. Like if you're saying that to yourself, you've already lost. Because those of us that want to make real change, if I say I want to get healthier and I want to start working out, I'm going to go walk now. The next meal I eat is going to be healthier. Just little choices like that. You have to snap yourself out of it. And I do think changing your environment and your circumstances is something everybody could do today. If you recognize you're getting pulled away on your phone, now, Tim, you said it, you deleted TikTok, right? Delete the things out that are causing, causing those distractions. You probably heard it like starve your distractions. That's where that all comes from. Is like, take everything off the table that's distracting you. Mm. What you serving. feed grows. Yep, yep. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer too. And like, look, you gotta, you gotta have clarity where you're going. And we talked about some of that, but, but you, at the same time, are you going to be a person that honors your commitments to yourself or are you not? Nobody else is coming to do it for you. Nobody else is going to come over there and go, Hey, Brian, uh, let's go do this. It's not happening. Like step up, take ownership of it. And what will happen is you'll start to surround yourself with other people like that. And so that's, that's the choices you got to make every day. And so I use the psychology of that piece and also just use some of those hacks of like the five second rule and all of those, like, it just becomes who you are, you know? And then your actions have just got to back up and mirror that. That was really powerful. Absolutely. Five, four, three, two, one. Real talk, um, man. Everybody's like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do that. And like, I had a conversation earlier and they're like, yeah, what time do you wake up? And all that. I was like, it isn't about what time I wake up. It's about how I wake up. Yeah. Like, that's my personal belief. Look, I love people that wake up early and they're like, that works for them. Cool. That's great for you. Um, I just know when I get up, how I wake up and, and my routine from that point, I'm setting myself on the trajectory of it's going to be a great day. And, and Brian, if you uh, mind us asking, what does that routine look like when you open your eyes? Yeah, so most of my days, I do the 6 a.m. class for mm -hmm. um, it's kind of like CrossFit um, that we do at Iron Tribe. And so when I wake up, it's usually in that 5.45 to 5 o'clock time frame. And I'm very quiet in the mornings. Like I like to drink a whole glass of water. There's a whole thing to that that says it's better. Splash your face with water, brush your teeth. You do all that stuff, like all your hygiene um, to get ready. Now, the night before, what's interesting, this came up the other day. I don't remember when I started this, but I actually lay out my workout clothes the night before. Part of it so it won't wake my wife up. Like, honestly, like, you know, it's one of those things, like if you lay out your clothes, but it also, the less decisions I have to make around, am I going to go work out or not? Because look, I could cancel the class. I could not go. That is an option. It doesn't usually go through my brain very much. But it is one of those where laying out my clothes the night before, having an ice water in the fridge, like having all that stuff to go through. And I like the workout in the morning. Uh, now that it's cold out, the indoor workout's pretty awesome. Um, I like those. But even yesterday, uh, I worked out with one of my friends in the morning, right? And it wasn't that same time we slept in. I think we worked out at like eight. Um, but I like that early. I've recognized for me, I don't, I don't do that well later in the day. And then after I come back, I've got about an hour, hour and a half with our, our kids. 
and they're off to school, three different schools. And then I start my calls at nine. And so everybody kind of knows on my team and around me, I don't do calls before that because like, that's my family time. And then the rest of my day is, is scheduled. We schedule out on Sunday nights, pretty much everything. So like in a little bit, we've got two basketball practices and then my daughter has soccer, right? So all of that, then, then I'll tune out, I'll go to those and I'll be there. I pretty recently went through Atomic Habits and in, uh, in that book, he talks about the, exactly what you were saying, laying out your clothes the night before. So it's easier for you to go to the gym, putting the glass of water in the fridge. So it's easier for you to drink it in the morning. And if you're wanting to be the architect of your habits, there are a lot of different ways to do that. One of them is to make it easier for you to do it, harder for you to not do it. And uh, there's a few different ways it goes over in the book. So I think that's sort of where that comes from. If, if you want to do something and you want to create a habit of it, just make it easier for yourself. That's it. You know, and I shared a hack with our team the other day that's a productivity hack is if I do, and a lot of times I will go on to social before I, I get to the gym. And sometimes it could be waiting to go in for the class or whatever, but I'm intentionally trying to connect with five people, either sending them DMs or commenting on their post. And again, I've programmed my feed. So when I go through, I'm just trying to pick five. Sometimes I'll get up to 10 if I'm feeling really good. And I like I got the energy going and all that. And, and that for me is a great way because those five people that I engage with, at least that morning, know that I care about them. I've thought about them. I support them. And then I go on and work out. Well, guess what? When they read that comment or read that DM or I drop them a voice memo, I've, I've made an impact on somebody, five people actually, already before my day and before most people have woken up. I think I think that's so powerful. Um, something I tried to do before on Thanksgiving was text everyone on my phone, "Happy Thanksgiving." You know, I didn't, I didn't get there unfortunately. You know, I hit like 100, 200 people. Um, but uh, receiving those texts back, it was it was so warming. It felt like you know the, you know, I'm a reference to the Lord here, but like the Lord was filling my heart with with warmth and just so much love. And I, uh, it changed my you know attitude like that. Whatever situation I was in, it just. I mean, it, it's just so grateful uh, to receive those text messages like that. You making impact, like somebody texting you back, say, hey, I really needed this today. Thank you for sending this. And yeah. that that moment right there is, um, it's uh, invaluable. It's um, so cherished. So I absolutely love, I love that five intentional. And I just wrote that down because I'm going to start doing that um, tomorrow as we reach out to five people a day and uh, having that consistent reach out. I'm thinking about that slight change. Again, it's kind of back to the atomic habits. There's like little mm. tweaks you can make. And you might not think that's going to make a huge difference. If you multiply that out, and let's just say you only did that during the week. It's five times five. That's 25 people on a week. Say you did that like, you know, 40 weeks, right? As you start going through all of that. I mean, you're, you're getting up to almost like 900 people in a year. And so, yeah, you're going to repeat some people and you're going to do some of that stuff and everything. But like, you, don't, you don't think at some point like that's going to be significant? Like that's huge. That's huge. It's just, it's small daily choices stacked up. 1% better every day is 365% in a year. Again, they just discount everything. Don't discount the the action you can take right now. You know, even tonight, look, send out, send out five notes tonight. As you're listening to this, whoever's listening, send five meaningful text messages, voice memos, comments like be impactful in somebody's life i like where you said starting january 1st or i'm gonna do this next week or whatever is very average minded and uh, as we're getting closer to the end of the year there may be people that are thinking because we got what two and a half weeks left of 2021 they may be thinking well i'm gonna you know i'm gonna do this starting january 1st i'm gonna do it at like um well one example is the um the 12-week year i read 12-week year three days ago and you see that there's two X's on the calendar behind me is I could have waited till January 1st. And that probably would have made more sense just with lining up the weeks, but you know, it, it is what it is. I didn't want to wait till then is, you know, I'll be um, two weeks into my 12 weeks before the year's over. That's right. Yep. Take action now. Mm-hmm. Do it now. And Brian, I know we didn't dive too much into, um, you know, I did kind of want to take it back um, here for, a couple minutes in, you know, compounding your leadership, you know, being the first one to adopt these new strategies and bring them to the the mortgage company. And, you know, over, you know, over time when those leaderships have compounded, you know, what does your life, your life look like today, your team, 
Um, and uh, if you could cover your three goals for 2022, I know you mentioned those. And do, do you have those goals written down right now for 2022? Yeah. Um, and if you kind of tie that into um, at the end of it, I think would be very fascinating. Cool. Yeah, I would say anybody on their leadership journey, like wherever you are, and you might not think you're a leader, like everybody's like, oh, I don't have a title or whatever. Like the reality is you're leading yourself. And so if you start there, like start leading yourself today, make these choices. And then I think the world needs more leaders, right? And my personal belief, like God's equipped everybody uniquely different. You have different experiences. Like holding that back is actually really selfish. It's, it's not what you were designed to do. It's not how you're created to live. So I would just leave you with that is like, in the sense of who you are, you need to share that. It's who you are. Um, and my journey has been not without setbacks, failures, um, being fired, being like cut from teams. Like, I mean, you, know, you hear all the stuff that we're going through and it's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, same time, like I could, for every one of those, I could probably give you another one that was like, yeah, that didn't work out so well. Um, you just gotta, you gotta get up and keep moving. Fortunately, I've, I've won more than I've lost right through these. Um, so I'm pulling up this document. We went through it this morning and I'll share the three goals. This was kind of a fun exercise. So we created our, our goals with our team. When I started our team at Lone Depot, we were doing about 245 million a year in annual mortgage fundings. So basically, you know, we loaned out money to people to buy all these homes. And then this year we'll do right at 2.4 billion. And awesome. Yeah, it's a huge, I mean, in it's four years. 10X. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Total 10X uh, type story. And then we've got goals on how, how do we take that to six, right? How do we get that to 6 billion over the next five years? Um, so we've mapped that out. And so I mapped that out through our group and all the people and everything that's there. I'm working on my second book. So I released the first one last um, this year in March. And so working on my second one, super excited about that. And it'll bring in a lot of leadership, productivity, and real lessons to help people understand what their hourly wage is, how do you make decisions from a place of certainty so you know what your time's worth and how do you increase that? I think that's really important for people. Um, and then I put my legacy in there is how do I generate passive income in other areas beyond what I'm doing with my team and my, my main source? Like how do I then start to invest and build out something for my family for generations um, beyond that? Because like once, once you get to a certain place, it's like, okay, I'm gonna keep building the team but also I'm thinking about what's the legacy that, that I want to leave and the things that are there. And so those are my big three and they've got some, some clarity beneath them of, of numbers and stuff that are personal to me, but pretty crazy. Uh, some big goals that if you'd asked me a few years ago, uh, I'd had a laugh. You'd be like, yeah, you want to be a New York times bestseller that all, all those goals. Why not? Why not me? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I love the, the finding out what your hourly wage really is. And that'll be a very, very powerful thing for a lot of people reading that. But what's the name of your first book? So it was Conversations with Kobe. And it was okay. birthed out of the podcast. So I took 10 of my, what I would say, most engaged podcasts and the guests that were on there. And we basically took them. It's not everybody listens to audio. Like, you know, people still love to read. They want to highlight. They want to make notes. We basically condensed them like a TED Talk with each of them. It was their story of hope and inspiration overcoming adversity and then actionable items. What would be the lessons? If you had enough money, you could get access to these people, which would be very hard to get access to all 10 of them. Then what would you learn from them? What were their life lessons that they would want to pass on? And it's, it's killer. You could read one of the chapters. You could read three of the chapters. Yeah, all over the place. That's great. Yeah, pretty cool. So we're, uh, we're getting towards the end of the podcast and it looks like Nick is losing his natural light. Yeah, so, I didn't, uh, I, I didn't uh, estimate that Chattanooga, the sun was going to go down so fast, but I'm sitting in front of dark. my window here. It's dark. Um, yeah, it's dark here too. So, uh, so we've gotten to that point now. <laughs> so we've got a few questions we try to ask every podcast. And uh, one of them, my favorite one, I think it's Nick's favorite also, is what is one book that you have gifted or recommended the most? One mm, I just gifted my team was Ryan Serhant's book, Big Money Energy. And they... Um, wild feedback he was on the show recently and so uh, i got that for the team i was like i love this book i read it myself I yep, love there it. you go got it right behind me yeah i just finished the audiobook great one it's amazing energy it, it's all about just the way that you carry yourself is uh, wh whether people mean to do it or not they're gonna have 
some opinion of you and yeah. uh, how you present yourself influences that. So that's a, that's a great book. That's really important. And Ryan's story is awesome. It, he, he was just a nobody and sort of pretending to be somebody and became somebody and did great things. And now he sells billions of dollars of real estate every year in New York. Crazy. So I think I uh, in that book as well. Absolutely. And I think that the, I think it was the goofiest story I got that um got from the book was uh I can't remember who the developer was, but he was selling his penthouse, um, I think in Central Park. That's in that's in New York, correct? Central Park. Yeah. And um, you know, very fancy, like some uh some kind of flower light bulbs, you know, hanging from the kitchen. And uh, he's like, you know, you can you can uh, I'm gonna list this property for sale, but you can't do any walkthroughs unless somebody, you know, submits an offer, you know, submits an offer and they they put some hard uh, earnest money down, but they can't do any walkthroughs. You can take a video. And Ryan, he takes a video, but it's a music video. So he brings in all these, um, the whole band, and they do a music video, and then he gets it sold. But, um, you know, commit to something and don't give up. You know, commit yeah. to it and do it. And I, I, I thought that was a, a strong, one of the strongest points I took from that book is like when you make a decision, go 100%. You yeah. know, don't, don't back off because you're going to fail if you back off. But if you go 100%, you're going you're gonna to make it happen or – you know, something's going to go wrong, but you, you still went hundred percent in. That's um, it. I and, that. uh, I really enjoyed that book. That was a great book. He's got so many great stories just like that in there. Absolutely. And, uh, Brian, what's the greatest lesson you've learned in the last 12 months? That's a good one. Um, probably took me back to one of my core beliefs of, like there's no replacing time with your family and the people that you love and care about. Like, I think that like no amount of money that you get or like fame, notoriety or that, like always put your family and those that you love first. Cause you just never know when something might happen. Super powerful. Sometimes we can, we can easily miss that and be so caught up in our heads and, um, you know, really being present with our family is the most important thing because, you know, one day we might be gone from this world tomorrow. We might be gone and, uh, we might've wished we paid a little bit more attention to the loved ones around us and really being present moment. And, um, I guess, uh, when we were talking earlier that what you um, got from, uh, atomic habits, Tim was that ability to kind of, you know, be in moment to moment. And Brian, you covering that at the beginning of saying, you know, nobody calls me before nine because that is family time. And if somebody calls me, I'm not answering. I'm not even looking at my phone. Um, so I thought that was, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that, that ownership piece. I think too often times everybody's like, I got to be on call. I got to do this. I'm got to do that. I said, man, life's too short. I'm going to live it on my terms with certain things. And the times that I have answered, I have always regretted it, unfortunately. So just remind myself, like, don't answer it before nine. Like, nothing's more important than being there with family. It's true. And sometimes you just, you're, you're really tempted to answer the phone outside of business hours. And you're like, you know, got to know what happened. If, if, if it was really that important, they'll probably send you a voicemail. They'll probably text you. Yeah. They'll probably call you again. And then maybe you can answer. But yeah. the first time, just let it go to voicemail. Yeah. So Nick, unless you've got anything else, um, say any last gold nuggets you want to leave our, with our, with us and our listeners before you head out, Brian. Oh man. So I wrote this down. We shared this the other day for everybody that's looking for um, success in their life. And I'll just share it because it, it was impactful to some. And it was actually a zig quote that we started with. And it said, if you're not willing to learn, no one can help you. But if you are willing to learn, no one can stop you. And I thought about that as like, man, if you're a learner and you put yourself out there and people see you with truly the right intentions that you're trying to get better and learn, you're going you're gonna to find people will flock and they'll, they'll be willing to help you. But if you're somebody that you're just like always looking for that like quick piece of advice or you're not really willing to learn, you're probably going to find it hard to find people to come alongside you and help um, foster that and teach you and mentor and coach you. So be, a, be someone that's always learning and growing. And, and that'll help you attract the right people and then start to be intentional about your own growth. And that's, we're all on a journey. So I think always learning and growing will, will help you find success. And success leaves clues, which typically involves hard work, right? Just us. 
there's a quote that kind of goes along with that. It's a man that can read but does not has no advantage over a man that cannot read. Think about that for a minute. Yeah. 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 If you can read but you don't do it, you know, you're you're not in any better position than someone who can't even read. That's it. Yeah, it's a it's a waste of that skill and that um you know the blessing to be able to learn because yeah. you know people do have legitimate problems with that and if you are you know fully capable of learning and educating yourself you're not doing it and, and yeah I don't even know what to say there it's no. you're missing out on on a lot a lot of the good things in life so yeah take advantage every day every hour every minute make the most yeah. of it. God's uniquely equipped. I think each of us with these gifts and talents, it's our job to go out in the world, distribute them, make them better, make them stronger, like give more away. Where could people find out more about you? So pretty active over on Instagram. Somebody took Brian Covey. So I'm the Brian Covey since they decided to keep that. <laughs> and then uh, the website we just updated is just www.briancovey.com. That's the two best places I'm on LinkedIn and some of that stuff. But uh, you'll find me on, on IG and LinkedIn quite a bit. All right. People go go hit him up and follow him. And uh, Brian, we'll, thank you so much for your time today. Um, awesome. Such an amazing podcast. And I hope our listeners um, take so much value away from uh, our time with you. Thank good. you. Hope so as well. You guys be good. Yep. I'm Tim Stone with Nick Galbraith. We're signing off. <laughs>